Welcome to Stage Dives. I'm your host, Aaron Chan, here today with Jared Marshall talking about Rage Against the Machine's long-awaited, highly anticipated, twice-delayed public service announcement tour, which hit Toronto on July 21st and 23rd at Scotiabank Arena. Uh, two of four Canadian dates this month, including Hamilton and Quebec, I believe. This was Rage Against the Machine's first tour in 11 years and far bigger than the last one, which featured just 11 dates and no Canadian stops. This year's tour, certainly one of the marquee live events since the end of the pandemic from an inherently political band whose profile has continued to grow in their absence while things have gotten, I'd say, worse. Wouldn't you say so, Jared? <laughs> yeah, I would I would definitely say so. I would say uh, it was a very timely return for the band. As always. As always. Uh, Jared and I attended their second night in Toronto, which was all over the news the next morning after a fan rushed the stage, resulting in Tom Morello getting... <laughs> accidentally tackled by security uh before we get into the show itself is this become the year of people running on the stage and people getting hit <laughs> i mean i think it was a i think it was a common occurrence beforehand but it definitely feels like if we were if we were looking at a uh, a, a graph i think there would definitely be a spike in a, in a on stage uh highly public on stage debacles I think if we went, if I got in a time machine and went back and I told you of the three incidents this year between Dave Chappelle, Will Smith, and Tom, I guess Tom Morello is like the kind of little sister of the other two. I suppose so. Uh, I, I figured that the Rage Against the Machine one would result in the guy getting stomped and not the Dave Chappelle one. Not the Dave Chappelle one. I don't, I don't know if Rage would let that happen. Uh, I, I I think they're oh, I, think, yeah. I think they're too experienced, and it, it's not that rage are against violence. I think they're very much for violence in uh, in some cases, but I, I don't think they would ever want violence engaged upon one of their fans, despite how rowdy <laughs> how rowdy their music has the ability to make people. Hey man, leave that guy alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually uh, I noticed that uh, Zach De La Roca uh, he you know he stopped the music and it seemed like he was very much under the mentality of just calming everyone down for a moment before going on to do the song that they uh, that they did, uh, which was killing in the name. A little, which little, was, little indie I, jam, you know, kind of a deep cut. <laughs> Calm every down, calm everyone down for like a brief, a brief moment before we all just start screaming. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, what did you think of the show? I thought it was great. I uh, I was speaking with uh, our friend Andreas about it today, and I, I told yeah. him I, I, I had to go to the concert. I had to go, not for my current self, but for my angry, kind of misdirected rage uh, a la AJ Soprano, 15-year-old self. Uh, I had to go. He, likes Mar- he liked Marilyn Manson. <laughs> well, not, that's that's who he likes. Let's not bring Marilyn into this. Uh, but uh, I, I had to go for 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 that that teenager, and I, and I gotta say, uh, the band didn't disappoint. I I love the idea of packing an arena and a four piece band just ripping through their catalog. That somehow and very successfully is prominently bring awareness to social justice issues. <laughs> Uh, while a sea of people just moshes and pulls on each other's sleeves. It's pretty surreal. It, it, it definitely is, and it, and it just feels like, it, as it always, whenever this always comes up whenever you talk about Rage's music, but it, it just feels like nothing has really changed all that much since they wrote those songs back starting in like you know the early 90s. It, it, in fact, it feels like they're more timely than ever. 100%. 
we'll get we're gonna trust me we're gonna get to that we got a lot to get to but you know i i as far as crowd involvement goes as well this was a pretty demanding concert absolutely <laughs> i don't i don't know about you but my neck is gonna be sore for a few days i, I and- was shocked at how little pain i was in this morning because i was headbanging <laughs> Just like the rest of them, and for but I seem to be okay. My voice is okay. My neck is okay. I'm I'm quite. I can't strong. imagine that the the guys on the floor must be just fucking dying right now. Oh, I <laughs> I, I can't even. I, I was looking at the mosh pit from our seats as much as I was looking at uh, the band. Right, because we were in the nosebleeds and. Uh, you know, just countless people crowd surfing and just crowd surfing to the front and getting recycled to the back after security helped them down. Security, by the way, doing a lot of work. Dude, doing a lot they of had work. A real, they had a good system going. It felt almost like a conveyor belt. It was like, all right, <laughs> go, go, go back. All right. Like it was, it, there was, you, it was, it, they had it totally under control for the most part. Well, a decent, for the most part. I, I think I mean, a decent amount of people were getting uh, like straight up catapulted off the front. Yeah, like, like they were like, you know, security would catch the the large majority of them, but some of them would just get like tossed, <laughs> just like all the way to the front, just tossed. I bet you those people are hurting right now. Probably. Uh, and also, uh, probably the most shouting I've done at a show in a long. Like, you can't just sing or speak the lyrics. Like, <laughs> you can't just say none of the above. Fuck it, cut the cord. You have to. You have to shout it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And also, just Zach De La Roca's voice is, is is such a is in such a high register. So it's kind of like like you're kind of trying to match his energy, and it just it it really. I don't know how he does it every night. I don't, and I don't know how he's been doing it for what thirty years now. Imagine if he was your dad and he was yelling at you. <laughs> I have to admit. So this tour is the fir- the band's first live appearances in 11 years. It's their first full length tour in 22 years. Wow. Uh, the tr- I mean, they had gone had left us after they reunited for sh- a few kind of. Sh- it was a short tour, mostly through Europe. I think there was a few U.S. dates in 2008. At the end of Bush, pre-Obama, all of a sudden they're billed to Coachella, January 3rd, 2020, if you could think back to that. Boston Calling and Firefly Festival come next. Um, At this point, we are just waiting on a tour announcement. Juliette Lewis, (laughs) hilariously, who has been on and off with drummer Brad Wilk, uh, confirmed – but kind of confirmed that there was going to be a tour on her Instagram and now everyone's buzzing about it. I didn't know they were together. Yeah. Crazy. Hey, I think he, he actually left his wife for her. Oh, okay. Cool couple. I guess the, the tour is finally announced on February 10th, 2020 and the internet goes nuts. And without the pandemic, it seemed like they picked the perfect time to tour kind of March to September, Two months before the election, the tour would have shut off. Trump's still in office. U.S. election campaigns were going to be heating up. Um, they had originally planned to kick the tour off at a small venue near the border in El Paso, mm. which is really dope. Uh, where were you when they announced the tour? Do you remember kind of what, how you heard about I it? I don't remember you? exactly where I, I – I don't remember. I just started uh, – my addiction and mental health program was Santana College, but I, I remember texting you and being like, "Holy shit!" Uh, but I, I can't remember. I can't remember exactly where I was, but I, I remember where I was when we bought tickets. 
I remember I was at school. We weren't around for the peak of this band. Why was this such a big deal? As much as we weren't around for the peak, I feel like their legacy has uh, preceded them in such a way that they seem to still be picking up new generations as it, as it goes on. Cause I, cause I, it, it comes in two waves, right? Cause on one, the lyrics are just as timely and relevant as they've ever been, but also they are such an influence on uh, the current state of rap music. I can think of four artists off the top of my hand, Run the Jewels, which opened for them, obviously, Denzel mm. Curry, uh, uh, Danny Brown, all, all, all of these yeah. rappers cite Rage Against the Machine as an influence, and you can you can see you can see it and in, in you can see their influence in Kendrick Lamar's music. Really, a hundred percent. Maybe not so much in the Sonics, but definitely in the Message. Um, you know, they definitely existed in a pre-internet era where. I mean, like now, now everyone just has Twitter or Instagram. So when there's a new social cause, everyone can just very easily post a square or post a tweet. And it was a little harder to do it back then. I think you had to be playing benefit concerts mm-hmm. or you had to be like Pearl Jam and like be, you have to be wearing t-shirts and stuff like that. But these guys, like every song, <laughs> like they don't just make songs about partying and going out or relationships. Literally every song was about a social cause. Of course. Um, Tickets go on sale uh, kind of mid to late February. It's a fucking zoo. Sells out instantly. Uh, I thought it was really smart that the band had booked two shows in certain cities and like the big cities, including Toronto, and they didn't announce the show until the tickets for the first show went on sale. So I just remember showing up that morning, trying to buy tickets and just getting shut out. And then looking at Ticketmaster and being like, oh my God, they just added a second show. Uh we were lucky enough to get tickets for the second show. Then, uh, you know, first wave of the pandemic hits. The tours postponed to 2021. Obviously, that doesn't turn out. That doesn't work out. The post gets postponed again to 2022, and then half of the dates to 2023. My friend Ian is supposed to go in Vancouver, and I just remember telling him, "Hey, new set of Rage dates came out." And he goes, "When?" I'm like, "March 15th," and he goes, "Yeah." <laughs> 2023 and he goes oh <laughs> uh but saturday night it finally happened i'm uh not sure if we had ever in recent years especially i mean like i'm just trying to think if there's ever been this rush of excitement for a tour announcement I, they have this reputation as an incredible live band you know you see the v- videos of them at woodstock 99 it just looks like a hundred thousand people raging uh super high energy great band moshing thrashing and you know i think also a lot of it came from an uncertainty that they would ever come back yeah honestly aaron it was very surreal being a you know a a a a we'll say uh seeing rage against the machine in 2022 i i couldn't believe what i it it, it was i had to kind of pinch myself a couple of times and and on top of that they are playing as well as they've ever played i i just i couldn't i couldn't believe it it was surreal so we've mentioned before that we've kind of missed it right we were younger than the demographic that they had were aiming for uh i mean you weren't even were you even born (laughs) i so battle of los angeles was 1999 right yeah it sounds right it's interesting and godzilla comes out i think the year i'm born i think godzilla comes out in 98 uh 
which uh, for anyone for listeners who don't know, they have a, a prominent song on the Godzilla soundtrack, uh, "No Shelter," which they actually yeah, played last they, night. Uh, which is crazy. So, but <laughs> I wasn't listening to uh, I wasn't listening to Rage Against the Mission in the Womb. Is that the first time you heard them? Was Godzilla? No, uh, the first time I heard Rage Against the Machine would have been on the Guitar Hero 3 soundtrack. Uh, Bulls on Parade is one of uh, one of the first songs that you would play in the Guitar Hero 3 campaign. Yeah, and, beginner. And, uh, and yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I loved that song, but uh, it, it took me a few years to really get into them as a band. I <laughs> – but just on that note, I think it's kind of funny that there's Bulls on – I mean like any Rage Against the Machine song on Guitar Hero because he doesn't play – like a traditional guitar player, like in order to play the Bulls on Parade solo, you need to rub your right hand on the strings to emulate the sound of a DJ scratching while, while oh, that's um, so cool. Sorry, go on. switching between your volume, uh, your, your uh, pickup switchers while one of them is off and one of them is on. So it's not, ma- it's making like a crazy noise. And you can't really do that with the console on Guitar Hero. It's almost like you're just like playing notes but they're like on those buttons, but it's not really, that's not really how you would do it. Uh, but I, but on this note, I was, I think I was like 15, 15 when I, when I had heard about them and they're definitely, okay. if you're a millennial, they're definitely a band that your older brother or something shows you. It was actually my colleagues who were really into like nineties kind of harder, louder music. And it got me thinking they are a very cool band to explain to somebody who's never heard them. Well, like, absolutely, because yeah. honestly, on paper, they shouldn't even work. <laughs> like, it, I, it, it, totally. Like we have this weird, and I'm sorry to take the mic from you for a second. No, go on. We have do it, this, do it. this strange mixture of hip hop, funk, metal, and garage yeah. rock with these overtly politically charged lyrics o- on paper it sounds like it could be a disaster and we know it could be a disaster because after raging us the machine we have 10 to 15 years of new metal that uh precedes it and as we know a lot of those bands not very good system of a down sucks is great that sucks that succeeds it that comes after because I, I think they're the first one absolutely but, but, okay, but so- it, something about i think the reason that rage works so well is you just have four musicians at their respective crafts working at the top of their game like these are utter professionals and because of how good each one is at what they're doing i don't know the blend just works in a way that it doesn't really work for a lot of bands so you have to when you explain the band to people you have to talk about the genre hybrid which you just did mm-hmm. uh i don't i mean it's it, you can see why the metal kids love it it's not really metal no not it's, really it it's, owes it's, more it's to like, hip-hop and funk than it does to metal a hundred percent, and like even like, like it's more in common with ACDC than than it has in common with something like, like uh, you know, Meshuggah mm-hmm. or like Mastodon, like a hard like they don't play in odd time signatures. They he doesn't he doesn't um, he doesn't use the metal fry voice like the super deep metal singing. He's rapping. Uh, they're just awesome guitar riffs uh, and like a very dialed in kind of funky rhythm section. Um, you know the emotional release is there. It's not really fast. A lot of metal is really fast. It's more heavy. So yeah, you have to mention the genre hybrid. You have to mention Tom Morello's guitar playing, which is when when someone's you know, oh, tell me a bit about this band. You have to talk about how he plays, kind of unlike any other guitar player of his day, even before he's 
making sounds that would normally come from synthesizers, but he's using guitar pedals to or do like, that. Or like DJ or like, or like scratch pads as you were, as you scratch were Scratch pads. I think he's, he's, uh, compared his guitar style to the synthesizers used in Dr. Dre's music because mm. he uses those pitch shifting tones. I think when it comes to like effects driven guitar work, it's him. It's the edge. Johnny Greenwood, the edge. You should have called Tom Morello the edge. Tom Morello has more edge than the edge. Yeah, it, uh, It's funny, Aaron, because when you were mentioning that, I was thinking the only guitar player that I can really think that has that you could describe in a similar way is uh, the edge from U2. And like, when you look at them, like they're completely different guitar players. Like you could never compare the two. So that really shows you how unique Tom Morello is. A hundred percent. And then the subject matter, which is mainly Zach, the rest of the band as well. But like it's Zach is the, the symbol for, the, the political activism that the band embodies. It's kind of a godsend when you're the right age and you're just a young person kind of gaining consciousness of the geopolitical environment and its issues and you're reading Animal Farm or you're reading Vonnegut and you basically you basically get this band that is like, you know, Black Sabbath raised on Noam Chomsky. Yeah. Um, like like you said on paper, it doesn't like it seems like it's a joke, and then you go this dude, and it's awesome. But you'd imagine them to be pretty niche, but these guys were huge, huge. And I think a lot uh, of that comes from Zach De La Roca's uh, lyricism, because yes, it is extremely politically charged. It does kind of feel like you're sitting in the best history class you could ever be in in high school. But he's also just such a like like his his lyrics are so catchy. Like there's such they have such punch to them that like it can be just as fun as it is politically angry, uh, and I I just how he walks that line to this day I I can't quite understand. He's a sick MC. Yeah. I I a DJ Premier said he would love to get uh he would love to produce a song for Zach, but it would be a lot harder to get to the radio than Limp Biscuit. <laughs> which he did he produced a song for Limp Bizkit um, so yeah they're big 90s band I, 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 if you listen to them for the first time you're like I mean the name as well is a, it's just, that, that's a great band name and it's like tells you so much about the band before you hear them like they're gonna be loud they're gonna be aggressive um, but they're huge in the 90s the two of their records go number one uh, they get a lot of radio play despite being very anti-establishment wake up is in the Matrix. It's very, very prominently used in the Matrix. Uh, they play Woodstock '99. They burn their American flags. A lot of people tune into that. I have here in the notes. Even the Machine likes Rage Against the Machine. Mm, this is. <laughs> I, I I kind of wanted to come to this when you started yeah, bringing up Woodstock '99. But yes, go on. I'll give you a couple of examples. Paul Ryan. Yep. Uh, was he was Mitt Romney's running mate? Was that right? Yeah, um, is it Mitt Romney? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Oh, yeah, he's the Speaker of the House. Speaker, speaker of the, the House, house yeah. too. <laughs> he, he likes rage. He likes rage. And Tom Morello is like, uh, well, he is. He like literally embodies the machine that we're raging against. I think Tom Morello said to Bill Maher, who is also a little bit part of the machine, but we'll let that go. Um, he said to Bill Maher uh, <laughs> when Bill Maher mentioned that Paul Ryan likes rage against the machine. I believe Tom Morello said yes, and Hitler was a vegetarian. What's your point? Uh, <laughs> which, which I thought was hilarious, but go on. There's the Winklevoss twins. Very recently, the, the fucking uh, Winklevi. <laughs> what? They they started a cover band where they covered I think Rage Against the Machine songs. Uh, it's not for they, you, man. They use 
Rage Against the Machine to torture people at Guantanamo Bay at ear-splitting volumes. What? Yeah. I think it's just before the volume your eardrums will cave in is what they use to torture people, which is just... I don't know. That's just so offensive to like Rage Against the Machine. That's disgusting. That's almost a dig at Rage Against the Machine. It it is. It's an insult to the music. I I love how we're. I love how we're getting mad about the like. We're we're not even talking about the war crime of it. We're just we're just like, how dare you insult the music? Actually, at the roast of Justin Bieber, Shaquille O'Neal had a great joke, and he said. Justin Bieber, you were ranked on the on the on the most hated people in the world list. You were ranked higher than Kim Jong Un, and he uses your music to fucking torture people. <laughs> <laughs> I would honestly, Justin Bieber is a that's that's see that's that would be torture. <laughs> oh, absolutely, in, in in its own way, yeah, for sure. Well, also, uh, I think in 2020 during the. U.S. election, there was a video of pro-Trump protesters dancing to Killing in the Name, <laughs> and uh, you know, Rage Against the Machine responded with, they just don't get it, do they? So here's my question, and like, I'm usually all for, listen to whatever you want to listen to, we live in this democratic society, music is for everyone. Uh, this one's a little different. Can you, be, can you be in the machine and still like Rage Against the Machine? It's, it, it, it's the same... To me, it reminds me a lot of people who watch Breaking Bad and think Walter White's the good guy. Uh, you, you, you always get a little bit scared that people are just not going to get your message. Um, and, and you really hope that the people who are listening are people that get it. But you're always going to we, – we've seen it recently with the newest season of The Boys – and how characters like Homelander and Soldier Boy are becoming these weird uh, icons for the alt right. When if you're if you're actually paying attention to the content, these guys are meant to be a satire of American politics. Um, it, it's it's scary. It's scary that it was funny when you, it, I, it's funny that you bring up Woodstock '99 because I, I always found it a little bit ironic that at this concert that this festival that became this total explosion of toxic masculine angst and it led to destruction and sexual violence that people were listening to Rage Against the Machine and thought, yeah, I'm going to hurt people when that's not what the music is about at all. Like, it, I mean, the music is about violence, but it's about violence used as a tool of liberation, not as a tool to put down to make the oppressed even more oppressed. And I, I find it scary that a lot of people listen to Rage Against the Machine and use it for tools to support oppression as opposed to oppose it. Uh, but it's, it's unfortunately, that's the risk. That's the risk of art, right? It, once you put something in the world, you don't know how people are going to use it. But it, it does confuse me how the machine gravitates to it so much. I think Ted Cruz likes them too. Um, oh yeah, and if not, if not, what was, what was it that Ted Cruz said? It was, oh, so, it was so stupid. He was like, before before nine eleven, I listened to a lot of rock music, but after nine eleven, I became more enmeshed in country music, and uh, I don't know. It, it it's really just I, I like like I I don't even know if these people have the I don't know if these politicians have the have the skills to comprehend art personally, but that's just me. You know I. <laughs> If you're anti-abortion, 
and you know, and like you know, anti-immigration, and you're singing along to <laughs> like the Down Rodeo or any of these Rage the Machine songs, you're kind of a fucking doofus. Definitely. And, and I've also I've also seen I you know I, I was talking to Ian about this last night after the show, and he basically said that if you've seen comments on Facebook about like, man, can do these guys have to be so politicized? Like who? <laughs> <we're> just, like, <laughs> It's kind of what they're called, right? Um, that's what he saw, right? That's not what he said. I don't, uh, I don't so much mind, like, Trump voters partying, killing in the name of, simply because these people are disenfranchised in their own way. A lot of the people that are, you know, are suckered by the Republicans are people that are struggling just as much as people on the left. So I, I actually understand why some of them probably identify with Rage Against the Machine because, you know, they think that they're oppressed and in a lot of ways they are. They're just, they, they don't realize that uh, a result of their oppression is the fact that they're being manipulated. You know, speaking of things to be angry about, uh, inherently political band. Yeah. Right? I think that's a huge part of the legacy. Um, they, I think Pitchfork called them the political group of the decade. Uh, before we get into sort of like what Rage Against the Machine meant to the 90s, can you try to come up with one for each decade? Like, okay, so Rage Against the Machine were the political act of the 90s. Are they even? They have to be, right? Are they the political act of the 90s? Yeah. It's either them or Nirvana. Yeah, Nirvana were more, I feel like, social activism. They don't, they didn't talk about like, um, you know, disenfranchisement in different countries, or immigration, True. or or like government corruption. It yeah, was more right so the about machine like, was all about foreign policy as much as domestic policy, for sure. They were CNN. They were they they were they were Gen X's CNN, right? Basically, uh, Public Enemy would have been the eighties or a hip hop group, maybe NWA. But like, yeah. I feel like even gangster rap is was more about revealing the slice of life and. The byproduct of that would have been political discourse. What, well, public didn't, enemy call it, didn't he literally call it street journalism? Yeah. Yeah. Which is dope. Um, you could say the 70s was The Clash. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure, The Clash. It's got to be, right? It's got to be. It's got to be. And the 60s would have been Pete Seeger. I'm joking. <laughs> Bob, Dil- Bob Dylan, undoubtedly. Yeah, 100% Dylan. So with the 2000s? is a bit of a toss-up because now rage have changed the landscape and you get like you kind of have a few of them right i think it's got to be system of a down right yeah that's a really good one which is weird considering the trajectory some members of that band have taken um the the drummer in 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 specifically right yeah what about dixie chicks uh, i'm not as familiar with the dixie chicks as i should be but i know or 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 just the chicks now right they go to England. They make one comment about Bush. <laughs> we're like, we're ashamed George Bush is from Texas. And people in the United States are getting fired from country radio stations for playing their music. <laughs> uh, Kanye West? I was just about to say, it, like, it, it's, it, once again, it's weird the trajectory that Kanye has taken the past decade. Because I would say of the 2000s, yeah, Kanye is an immensely political figure. And I think what makes Kanye so political is the fact that he's not really... 
he's just kind of speaking his mind. He's not like Rage, who you can picture Zack De La Roca in this, you know, this large, you know, and you can picture him with like just like books and books around his room of just like Marx and Chomsky and all this stuff. Where Kanye, he has literally told us he doesn't read books. Um, uh, <laughs> so, 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 you know, uh, yet he's Shakespeare in the flesh and he'll just, he just kind of, Kanye just kind of spoke his truth in the early 2000s. And a lot of the time his truth had, had was dead on. Uh, he, he spoke out against homophobia and he spoke out against, uh, the Bush administration's, uh, treatment of, uh, marginalized communities. And it's just so weird to see him in the MAGA hat. 10 years later because it's it's yeah kanye is a kanye is yeah maybe Con, maybe it's kanye okay so rage are far more consistent rage are I, far I, more consistent it, it, it's it, one of the things that gives me hope in this world the right? fact that rage have not changed their stance one iota all members in the band have been arrested at protests <laughs> god bless them <laughs> The, the, the sleep now in the fire video shoot resulted in a shutdown of the new york stock exchange for two hours Amazing. They literally, they literally stopped people from going in. They had to shut the stock market down. They were banned. One of the few bands that was banned from playing SNL mm-hmm. because they use it. They use inverted American flags to protest ho- uh, Steve Forbes, who was hosting that night. By the way, booking manager for SNL that night. What? A, what, what do you expect? <laughs> why would you? Why not? Why not? Uh, why not? Like Chris Tucker. Why, why, why would you, right. why would you get, why, why Steve Forbes? What do you think? Have you read about this stuff? Maybe it's like availability, but they were, th- they were thrown out. <laughs> you need, you need Bill Hicks is what you, who you mean. Bill, <laughs> Tim Comerford, you know, the, somehow the wildest person in this band, uh, apparently, uh, took one of the flags and ripped it up and burst into Steve Forbes dressing room and threw threw the flag at him like toss it around his room these guys have played benefit concerts for rock for choice the anti-nazi league the united farm workers children's care organization para los ninos unite uh they've done benefit concerts for fairness and accuracy and reporting the national commission for democracy in mexico women alive the tibetan freedom concert they hosted radio free la in protest of the re-election of clinton they were one of the early Clinton detractors in a time where it was not that was not a thing. Um, they played at the 2000 DNC in protest of both Gore and Clinton, the two party system in general. These guys are ballsy, right? They they well, have that's, that's one thing that I think that's what I love about Rage. It, it, it's not the bleeding heart liberalism of some artists that try to be quote unquote political. It's them giving. Oh yeah, they're Medicare for all. They're anti-Wall Street. They're not taking briefcases. It's, it's a total 360, yeah, anti-PAC money, anti-everything. It is like literally this establishment is fucked. And let's break it down for you over three albums, why it's all fucked. Uh, it's, 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 they're, they're true socialists. It extends past the U.S. They're, they have provided on-the-ground support in Mexico for the Zapatista Army of National mm-hmm. Liberation. They use their flag and their visuals. It's that red star that I'm sure you've seen. People of the sun, wind below, without a face, all about the EZLN. They mm-hmm. showed up at Lollapalooza in 1993 and stood on stage naked for 15 minutes in protest of the PMRC. Uh, when they reunited for the first time in the late 2000s, they played the DNC in Denver. Uh, they have their own little festival called the Tent State Music Festival to end the war. 8,000 attendees led by Rage and the Iraq Veterans Against the War uh, 
stormed the DNC, had a four-hour standoff with the police until the Obama campaign agreed to meet with them to hear their demands. Nice. You, guys are cra- you guys are nuts, man. Even t- Tim Comerford is apparently a conspiracy theorist and claimed that the moon landing was faked <laughs> to Buzz Aldrin at a John Cusack movie premiere. Wow. He, he, also, he also stated that he doesn't believe ISIS is real. <laughs> I can I, I listen I uh that's not right um but like I can at least, the ISIS one I can at least ex- I can understand because obviously like all, all terrorism in the Middle East is a result of American imperialism and that's just oh, that's, wow. that's just how it is like like all, like yeah ISIS I, I think we can all agree that ISIS is not good <laughs> but like what does ISIS emerge from American imperialism. Uh, 9-11. Before 9-11. Like, of course, that's a huge part of it. But, like, before 9-11. Before 9-11. Like, year, year, decades before that. But did, didn't the leader of ISIS, wasn't he, wasn't he like, tight with bin Laden? And they used kind of 9-11 to, like, further their cause? Um, I'm not 100% sure about that. I think the point I'm just making is it's all connected. It's all, you know, it, 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 we all know the CIA trained Bin Laden. Um, right. it, 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 it's 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 all connected. So I can at least when Tim Cumberford says something about like, oh, ISIS is not real. Okay, ISIS was real, um, or is real. Uh, but I can at least understand the logic. The moon landing that is just like that. That's like, <laughs> that, just, that, just, that just goes over my head. I, I, I like that's some fucking. What did you think Stanley Kubrick filmed it? What do you think? Okay, so you know maybe holding space travel or concluding it. What do you think of setting all of these very serious subjects to what is fundamentally party mosh music? What, like, what do you think of, what do you think of like, cause before, and we've named some of these acts before, it, like if someone was making a protest song in the sixties, they would use folk music and it would be really serious yeah. and very like kind of poetic. And Rage Against the Machine is pretty much—it's pretty much like music you thrash to. Uh, it is poetic. I I I I find Zach Delaroca's lyrics uh, have just as much poeticism as 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 a Dylan, frankly. Um, I think that's a bit of a stretch. Okay, it's a different kind of poeticism. It, mm. it, it, obviously, I don't Zach Delaroca isn't bringing a lot of biblical references or references to T.S. Eliot. I, I don't really see De- De- Zach De La Roca writing Desolation Row. But what I am saying is that there is a complexity and a thoughtfulness that is shared by both musicians. They just, they articulate it in different ways. That's the point I'm making. Mm. Uh, that's fair, right? It's, you're totally right, I'd say. But I would, I, I wonder... What do you think of that, though, that they basically have taken these serious subjects and turned it into party, like a party? I wouldn't. And, and, I, and yes, I, I would like to come to that because I, I don't necessarily think I think it is less about partying and more about catharsis and mobilizing and, you know, really bringing those feelings to the surface and letting them out. Um, I, I, I would say that is at least the purpose of it. And then once they're in the ether, once you let them out, it really makes you go, wow, damn, I, I have power. It's, it's meant to make you feel powerful. It's meant to make you feel like you can contribute. Because, And once again, 
these guys are socialists. And I think a big thing about socialism is and, and people that can get behind get that get behind it. It's a, a lot about bringing the as much as it is collectivist. It is also making you realize that you as an individual do have power, and if you can unify, you can you are part of a movement. And I think that's what rage is trying to do. I think it's not it's not meant to be like oh a party and forget. It's meant to be like hey, are you angry? Great, I'm angry too. Let's feel this together and let's do mm. something about it once we leave the stadium. Totally. Yeah, I could feel that. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you be into Rage without this component? Would they just be another rock band otherwise if they just made <laughs> if they just made like the run of the mill songs? I think the music is very sonically impressive. I mean, once again, we're dealing with four very, very talented musicians. Um, so if they just wanted to make party music, it would still sound very, very good. But I think that political element, that politically charged, like, you know, the, the politically charged nature of the lyrics, I think that really is the, it's what propels the music into motion. Got it. Um, so another thing has changed since their departure and killing in the name has become a meme. <laughs> Which is kind of an an outrageous thing, despite like the song being super serious. So, "Killing the Name" was like their big first big song. It's inspired by the '92 LA riots. It compares the LAPD to the KKK. Mm-hmm. I mean, like back in the day, um, you could play it on the radio, and if you had played the uncensored version, the radio station would get a whole bunch of complaints. <laughs> fast fast forward to 2009 uh do you know we don't live in the uk but every christmas the uk has the christmas number one uh like the number one song the week of christmas okay becomes the christmas number one and it becomes like a big competition to get your song to number one for christmas and it had been an x-factor song uh four years in a row There was a DJ in 2009 named John Mortar who launched a campaign on Facebook urging people to buy Killing in the Name before Christmas to to prevent the X Factor from achieving its fifth year. And, you know, at the the pinnacle of it, I believe 700,000 or 600,000 people had joined the group. They had gained the support of Dave Grohl and Muse, Paul McCartney. Also supported the campaign. He thought it would be funny. He thought it would be funny if Rage won. Um, they ended up raising seventy thousand pounds for a homeless charity through the campaign. Uh, the song went to number one. Wow! And I didn't know it, any. I, I didn't know this at all. Oh yeah, it pissed off Simon Cowell, who thought it was very like kind of, I, I guess, cruel to have Killing a Name as the Christmas number one. Oh fuck Del- you, Simon. <laughs> Delaroca loved it. He said it says more about the spontaneous action taken by young people throughout the UK to topple a very sterile pop monopoly. When young people decide to take action, they can make what's seemingly impossible possible. Okay, just relax, buddy. <laughs> we didn't we didn't cure a disease here. Yeah, but but it does but it does come back to the point of uh, th- th- that this music is meant to bring back the power to the individual and to show that as an uh, like yes you are a part of a group and as an individual you guys can work if you work together see what you can accomplish and they did they did accomplish it uh flash forward 
just a month ago. Uh, Vancouver, Kiss FM, Killing in the Name was played for 30 hours on repeat, oh only God. stopping to take in-call requests. When you made a request that day, you'd get ignored and they would keep playing Killing in the Name. A lot of people, a lot of people thought it was uh, a protest because a bunch of the DJs got laid off. Apparently, it was just a publicity stunt because the station was rebranding from adult contemporary to modern rock. Well, that's useless. <laughs> it's, it's funny that this song about police brutality, police brutality has become this kind of empty canvas to protest basically anything. And, you know, I guess when you compare it to things like the other meme songs, which are like All Star, <laughs> Africa by Toto, Creep is a big one. Yeah. There's a lot of creep memes. Rick Astley. I guess it's uh, kind of in the vein of rage doing what it's supposed to do, even though, you know, it's not really a funny song at all. I think it's their catchiest, though, and it's also their simplest from a lyrical perspective. It's very much there. It like it 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 it, it doesn't have you know. It's easy to memorize. There isn't really anything complex going on. It's very repetitive, mm. and it's got that "fuck you, I won't do what you tell me." Is that what would you call that? A refrain? Yeah, mantra. But, yeah, I, I like of of, of course, and I think that's what people really get behind in that song i think that's why you can apply it to because even though the song is very specifically about police brutality and uh the connection between white supremacy and the police force um fuck you i won't do what you tell me you can apply that to anything you can apply that to a fucking 14 year old who doesn't want to clean his goddamn room like well, that's literally me the song, it got, the song got banned from my house from that there you go <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about the show. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Let me just say before we go into any kind of breaking, breaking things down from last night, we're recording this the Sunday after the show. Uh, awesome show. It was awesome. And I, I think we've said this on the show before. It's always a solo act or it's always a rapper these days. And it is just great to see an actual band, not a singer with a great band backing them up. You know, but like <laughs> Tim Comerford is as important as Zach De La Roca, is as important as Brad Wilk, is as important as Tom Morello. And they're all killing it. And there's nothing on that stage but the band. Closest thing to see Zeppelin live. Yeah, you'd call them a Zeppelin, right? Because I think most bands would, especially from the 90s, they were more about dynamic. They're more about – you could tell who the best one was. Nirvana, for example. Dave Grohl is the best musician there. Oh, he's not, absolutely. He's not the most important. Like you can't – like, you know, Chris Novoselic is not a virtuosic bassist. Uh, Kurt Cobain is the anti-guitar hero. It is more so the, the chemistry between the three of them that results in this, you know, obviously iconic, obviously amazing band. Rage Against the Machine are more like Zeppelin. They're more like the Who. Where the chemistry is obviously important and the synergy is important. But each member is batting a thousand, right? And that was obviously really great to see. They sound exactly like the record. Oh, and, yeah. In some cases, better. No shelter yeah. is better life. Oh, I feel like when you see an aging rock band, you kind of like to give them a little more credit than they deserve. And you say, you know what? These guys are sounding really good despite being 55 years old. You give them a lot of credit. Human grace and you, you, there's loyalty points there. You want to see your favorite band, and this is kind of all you got. 
So you you go and you say, yeah, they did great. These guys don't just sound. They kind of they don't just sound the same. They basically look the same. Oh yeah. <laughs> I saw a photo of the four of them perched up at the front of the show at the end to do the kind of their bow. And I was like, wow, they really have been aging very, very well. Um, and yeah, obviously Zach DeLaRocca, he's not singing. Right. So it's, it's not like, it's not like they have to move the keys down. He's just rapping still. I don't know how he hasn't destroyed his voice. Cause he's not just rapping. He's like scream rapping. Like it's, well, it's, he hasn't destroyed his voice, but apparently he destroyed his leg. Well, there's that. And, so on the second – this tour is, cor- is freaking cursed or something. But the second night of the tour is at the United Center in Chicago where Michael Jordan played. He injures his leg. I don't know exactly. We don't have the exact details as to far as to how he injured his leg. But four songs in just before they played Bulls, he hurts his leg. He finishes the rest of the set sitting down. He goes, I don't know what happened to my leg right now, straight up, but you know what? We're going to keep this fucking shit going. I can crawl across this stage. We're going to play for you all tonight. And then they go into – sorry, they go into testify. This is after Bulls. So a couple things here. If I was at Chicago, I'd be like, hell yeah. And I remember seeing the news. I was like, oh, he's going to continue doing the show. And then when I saw more dates that he was sitting, I was like, ah, come on, man. Fuck. (laughs) I mean it sucks because he's such a dynamic performer right like he loves- he's amazing you ever see the you see the footage of him at woodstock 99 he is hopping jumping thrashing like whipping his body around like moving around the stage like kind of hulking he'll go to the front he'll rap to you he'll rap to these people and we've been waiting so long for this fucking tour that it kind of is a little suck it kind of sucks a little bit that he doesn't get to perform at full strength mm-hmm. now for the record, I would have much rather had sitting Zach than another postponement. Me as well. <laughs> Me as well. <laughs> Me as well. Um, I mean, I, I mean, do you want to say it or should I? Go ahead. I, I had no... I didn't oh, you, even, yeah. It didn't even occur to me. It didn't even occur to me that... that Maybe he had injured himself the whole time he was sitting. First of all, didn't affect my enjoyment at all. I, yeah. I, I was, I was totally in for it. But personally, I thought he was just. I thought it was. I thought he was just <laughs> making a statement as a showman. I thought it was just a case of I can do this whole show sitting down, and I will still blow the roof off this fucking place. And it was only after the end of the show when you told me he had in, when they carried him off that I kind of thought, oh. Did he hurt himself? Like, like I, I had no idea. I had no idea. That's pretty – I mean that's a – you can't fake that. Uh, they can't, you can't fake your reaction because like I would have – I yeah, maybe I would have been asking questions. It's actually a miracle that you hadn't heard the news that he hurt his leg. But uh, yeah, I was going to ask what was going through your mind <laughs> when he's just kind of sitting there. I, I, at, it, no, it, at no point did you think – why doesn't he get up? I, I thought he, it, 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 it was almost like he was at the pulpit. It was like he was preaching. Um, mm. and, and, Would you do standing? What? <laughs> Would you do standing? Yeah, but you know, I, I, to to me, it just I I'm so used to artists doing weird shit, especially when they're performing. I mean, I, I, I just at Glastonbury, I I just watched Kendrick Lamar drench himself in blood. Uh, yeah, he does a COVID test too. I think he does a COVID test on stage. He does a COVID test on stage. So it, 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 to me, it was just to me. I, I just thought Zach was making an artistic statement. It was only after he got carried off that I was like, oh. Okay, 
<laughs> there's uh, an injury. Um, could you handle another postponement? Would you have refunded your ticket by then? No. That's the, that would be the third, the third postponement. No, nope, uh, I would I would have held on I would have held on to that ticket for ten years if I had to. Uh, <laughs> I I would I would have I would have held the faith. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad it didn't get postponed again. <laughs> uh, I'm very happy about that. I was incredibly impressed with, uh, Tom Morello and during like, how do I say this? He seemed to, when I was really super into the band and even when I hearing about the band from sort of the people who introduced me to them, uh, there was always a bit of hesitancy with Tom Morello's stage presence. He seems very like controlled, whereas Zach was more liberal, liberating, right? Mm. He wore his guitar super high. He's got to be close to his pedals. Uh, he didn't look the coolest. He's always wearing that hat. Um, and I, it, I've come. I've been thinking about it before the show or before the tour. I was like, "What's, what's Tom Morello going to do? Is he going to do the same thing?" He was amazing. Yeah, he was. He, he took up so much area. He was whipping his body around. There was jumping. He was kind of directing the band in that way and i wonder how much of that had to do with zach de la roca being out and him being like okay well kind i guess we're gonna have to pull the weight a bit here kind of compensating for for the missing energy yeah and you know he's definitely the most um kind of public of the group right he's always doing stuff he's started street sweeper social club with boots riley he started mm -hmm. the nights the night watchman which is a folk act he'd gone on tour with bruce springsteen as his guitarist he's always making you said he was on the bill maher show right he's always making these interview uh appearances uh you know weird classic rock stuff he started prophets of rage with a Chuck a, D. A, a, a a testament to why super groups just don't work uh, yeah <laughs> like it's he's not he's not really the coolest he might be the smartest uh whereas zach de la roca his decisions over the past kind of 10 15 years have been a lot more tasteful he'll give like the rare good quote rare but good quote he'd, he'll go and run the jewels record i think he i think uh, he has a feature a record at this point and it's he always kills it he knocks it out of the park every time oh yeah he's he has a wicked song his wicked songs with, with sick producers and stuff uh so you know, hats off to Tom Morello uh, for really pulling pulling it during the show, and also for getting tackled. <laughs> and, guy. And, right. So, for those of you that haven't read the story, it's during the final song of you know, hint hint, killing in the name. A fan rushes the stage. By the way, I, but looking at the footage, that guy came from side stage. How did he do that? Where did it this guy have, come he from? He must have. He must have. Like something must have happened crowd surfing. He must have mm. been relocated. And I guess just in the heat of adrenaline, I guess he just saw his moment. Ran on the stage. <laughs> ran on it the fucking stage. It, it happened so fast, I didn't even know it was happening. I was, you know what I mean? Did, it was, did, you, did you realize it was happening? I had to like look at hashtags and location tags after to see the footage and then it hit the news i i didn't thought it I, was i saw i saw him charge i saw him charge um i saw it because because i saw the red shirt um right i didn't notice that morello had been thrown off i didn't well the, i didn't notice the guy 
that guy was parkour, man. They like, like literally, he like <laughs> rushed the stage. The, the security guard, by the way, get that guy at the Nest Oscars. <laughs> yeah, but right? first he handled it. He handled it very professionally. He uh, went right for it. I wonder if he kept his job because he literally tackled Tom Morello in the meantime. Right, the guy ran out of the way and got Tom Morello down. Tom Morello falls off the stage, drops his guitar. The guy tries to jump back in the audience. Like claws his way back into the pit and doesn't make it in. He gets pulled down a bunch of times. This thing's on TMZ, Stereo Gum, Pitchfork, Fox News reports on it. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I first of all, I question anyone who is rushing a stage. Yeah, because don't, just, guys, don't do that. Don't <laughs> like, 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 don't well, just don't don't. If the security doesn't take you down, and they just say, you know what, let him. What is that guy going to do now? Is he just going to stand there and just be like, okay, I'll dance now. Well, we, saw dance. It, we actually saw it at the Playboy Cardi concert recently. Um, oh, he got someone... Playboy Cardi attacked him, right? No, no, no. Uh, Playboy hugged him. Uh, it, 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 so security uh, security was getting very rough with – with, it was two of them uh, – two of them rushed the stage. Uh, he let one stay on. He hugged him, let him stay on for, I think he was performing Stop Breathing. No, it was, what was it? It was, uh, D-R-A-C-K, okay, D-R-A-C, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. He's, he's, he's spelling Draco, he's spelling Draco. Okay, got um, it, got it. But anyways, uh, he lets one stay on, and uh, the security's getting rough with another one of them, and he goes, he stops the song, and he goes, and he tells security to chill the hell out. Um... I think he understand. I think Playboy Cardi. It's interesting comparing Playboy Cardi and Rage Against the Machine because I think both of their music evokes similar reactions from the crowd. And I think Cardi just kind of understands. Like I'm sure Cardi doesn't want people rushing the stage. I, I and I get it. You shouldn't be rushing the stage. But also, there's a certain adrenaline that that music brings out that I think he just kind of understands. And I think Rage probably understands it to a point too. This can't be the first time someone has tried to rage, has tried to run on the stage in a rage concert. There's no way they're, they're probably uh. used to this at this point. It's it's why I think the security was just so ready for the crowd surfing. Right, but and when that guy was on the stage, he was on the stage for literally one second, and, and the security got, oh, right away just like linebacker tackled them and they tried got, to yeah. at least right. But yeah, um, but yeah, no, you shouldn't. Don't rush the stage, guys. If Tom Morello gets injured, breaks his leg, and now you have two main members of the band in chairs for the rest of the tour, I think at that point I'm asking for my money back. Nah, keep it going. <laughs> Once again, like I like. Tim Comerford's gonna be having to do fucking cartwheels and somersaults I and backflips. I don't know if it affects the show that much. I mean, like, okay, it does. It does actually affect. Okay, it might make the because uh, I mean, I, I can't even imagine Morello's pedal board. Um. Oh yeah. So so if he doesn't have access to his pedal board, then yeah, fuck it. Don't I I, I can't like postpone the show. Um. But if he has access to his pedal board and he can play the guitar, fuck it. Keep the shows going. <laughs> uh, you, you need these guys at their full steam and you need them jumping around and you need them kind of doing doing their moves as well. Yeah, and, but that those the, but it, it, you, it's a testament to the music that that music's going to fucking set – it's going to blow the roof off whether or not they're moving about. Like, it, it, like the music's just that good and it's that evocative. So uh, to me, I'd say keep as – as long as they can perform – 
as long as they can perform to their full ability, keep it going. But they can't. I'm not talking about their stage presence. I'm talking about the music. As long as the music is intact, that's all that matters to me. Um, okay, so before we – okay, should we get a set list now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so you know the set list is – it was relentless. It was amazing. There was, there was barely any breaks between songs they just went into each one into the next one which is really how you kept the energy and the momentum going um you know i think that the opening with bomb track people of the sun bulls on parade bullet in the head to testify which is kind of like probably the best stretch of the entire concert what's happening right now (laughs) (laughs) you know um you know they played wake up gorilla radio we got a run the jewels collaboration on stage which is actually the first fact it was the first time they did it all tour and i well i wonder like why are they doing that every night like that's that should be a given i figure no uh yeah i mean especially that song i think it's uh close your eyes and count to fuck it's just such a fucking banger like yeah bring it out every night and I, it kind of made me feel when those two guys came out, I was like, oh, this is kind of the breath we need right now. Like two standing MCs. Sorry to keep shitting on Zach. <laughs> but like, I was like, oh, this is what it would have been like otherwise with these guys kind of hopping around and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. And it was cool to hear Close Your Eyes and Count the Fuck has a very electronic sound. Yes. And Rage, like Rage are basically playing the ver- like the roots were playing it. Basically like the, like the, ver- like the band version of that, which I thought was really dope. Right. Um, they should be doing that every night. Uh, know your enemy, calm like a bomb, sleep now in the fire. Basically, all classics. So there has been a there has been rumors of a new Rage album D- uh, around the time of Killing in the Name on the top of the Pops. D- uh, Zach De La Roga has started teasing an album. And said that they were working on a new album. Then Tom Morello contradicted it. Hmm. And then Tim Comerford came out and said that they were writing new material. Um, do you think that we could have used a new album? Okay. I'm of two minds on it. Because on one on one end, it's this... <sighs> I mean, their catalog is so tight. It's a trilogy of records... Yeah, it's supposed to cover record like four four albums pretty much. It 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 it, it, it it's quick, it's clean. Uh, there's it, it there's nary a, a lull in any of it, uh, and then they go, and that's it. And to me, it's just like you risk tarnishing such a perfect discography. It's one of the most perfect discographies we've ever had from a popular act. Yeah. That being said. Uh, We've seen Legacy Acts, because I, I, at this point, Rage Against the Machine is a Legacy Act. Uh, and we've seen we've seen some pretty great comeback records uh, from Legacy Acts, especially in the past decade. We got, I mean, most famously, Black Star by David Bowie is considered one of his greatest records. Uh, yeah. Also, the Tribe Called Quest uh, comeback record, yeah. uh, Thank You for Your Service, uh, is... Time Out of Mind by Bob Dylan. There you go. There you go. I mean, like, and these records, I mean, no one would say that Black Star, Thank You for Your Service, Time Out of Mind, no one would say it stands, no one would say it is better than any of uh, 
any of these artists catalog from their heyday. No one would say that Black Star is better than Bowie's 70 run, but it is of the same standard. It 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 it, it goes toe to toe with these records. And if Rage Against the Machine could produce a record that is of the same standard of Evil Empire, I say go for it. I say go for it. And 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 as we saw last night, as as far as their performance goes, they're as good as they've ever been. Even with Zach De La Roca injured, they are as good as they've ever been. So if they can translate that to a record, I say let's do it. I looking at the set list, I feel like we lucked out. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to see a Red Hot Chili Peppers tour at the end of August, mm-hmm. and it's going to be probably twenty five percent at least new songs. <laughs> And like you know, what I mean, they I, don't have. I really mm-hmm. wish. I really wish it wouldn't be. Right? <laughs> it's gonna be ridiculous, and it's like those are like the pee break songs, or like the, when, when the audience starts talking. This Rage Against the Machine set list is wall to wall, just classics. Perfect. Right? It's perfect. Because all perfect. they have, I, all that's that's the thing, right? All they have is classics. Maybe a new album, right? You kind of sitting there, and you're like, oh, this is one of the new tracks. I don't know. Like, where's the other ones we know very intimately? Uh, there's also something about new the idea of new rage songs about the new socio-political environment that feels a bit cookie cutter because they're just going to be playing the same style they're not going to they're not going to become it's not kid a right they're not going to take on this new sound they're just going to be playing the same riffs or similar riffs which i feel like they've maybe exhausted that format and you know rhyme snowy day with roe v wade (laughs) right right and it's almost cooler that these old songs still work so well in this new time exactly that's that's even cooler right and it's almost like they were right right and like this they could just ride this out and the old songs still work that's and and that's a that's a great point aaron because it's kind of a case of like they don't really need to make a new album because they kind of have already said everything they needed to say with the with the with the three albums, so it, it's uh, so it's it's like it's all it's almost an exercise in redundancy if they make a new record. But that being said, and I hate to bring up, you know, I, I God, I hate that David Bowie's dead. I really hate that David Bowie's dead. Uh, but let's say let's live in an alternate universe where David Bowie didn't pass away after Black Star, and David Bowie decides that he's going to tour again, his first tour in, I think it would have been 15 years when Black Star came out. Would we really consider a song like Lazarus the P-Break song? David Bowie is an artist who consistently is throwing away his last project and starting something new. So I feel like and, and it, he you're would... right. It's a different it's a different comparison. It's a different it, it's a different kind of artist. You can't really compare the two. But Radiohead um, would be another one or Kanye West, right? These are guys or Trent Reznor. These are guys who start over. Whereas Rage Against the Machine don't really do that. They invented this format. It works and they will keep going on. They stick to it. About it. But the subject matter will change. I, right? I get I guess the point that I'm making is if they manage to you know, put together 12 songs that, hey, it sticks to the formula, but it's as good as anything off the Battle of Los Angeles. It's as yeah. catchy. It's as evocative. That's all That's all I would personally need. And if they could if they could do that, if they could manage to give me something that I, I, I can listen to as much as I can listen to Evil Empire, then I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. it, it it's only it, – it just – it can't pale in comparison 
that's the problem. And I think they do, they, you're right, they do run that risk when they already have a catalog that doesn't require another album. Who would you get to feature on that? On a Rage record? Yeah, on, the, on a new Rage record. I wouldn't Who's, get anyone to feature. I think that oh, would be dangerous. I would stack it. I would stack it. That's the jewels dangerous. for sure. Yeah, maybe no, really, like really? one, maybe like, because like, they're not, they, like, they're not, they haven't not had features. I mean, Know Your Enemy prevalently features Maynard James Keenan from Tool. That's uh, it, though. I think that's the only feature in the whole catalog. So maybe, like, throw Killer Mike on one song, and that's it. And that's it. Mm. And, and use him sparingly, like, very sparingly, for, like, maybe, like, a bridge or for, like, a hook or something. But that's it. Like, aside from wow. that, no features. That's a very tasteful answer. Uh, good. <laughs> Uh, Tom Morello himself, when he contradicted the album, the new album, he said, there are no plans to do that. That's a whole other ball of wax right there. Writing and recording albums is a whole different thing than getting back on the bike and playing these songs. But I think that the one thing about the Rage catalog is that none of it feels dated. It doesn't at all feel like a nostalgia show. I feel like these songs... That were born and bred are were born and bred to be played now. Yeah, and I think that's the point of the music, right? Like it's like these things don't change. The only chance of changing these things lies with the people. Uh, so yeah, what is thirty years going to do aside from exacerbate the problems that they were already talking about? Should they come back if that happens? Is it like the bat signal? And it's like so something happened in the Supreme Court. We all like, got to get Rage back on tour here. Yeah. Anything that mobilizes people, yeah. And rage, rage gets people's blood going. So yeah, fuck it. Uh, okay, so looking at the set list, what was the best track of the night? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, wow, that's really good. <sighs> I mean, I'm partial to Vietnam, but just because I like, like, Evil Empire to me is just rage is pinnacle like it's it, it is it is such a perfect record in my opinion in fact my my one disappointment is the fact that evil empire only had like three songs in the set list uh which is now sounding good what vietnam was sounding good vietnam was sounding very very good but uh yeah. hey as you know i actually had n- never listened to the battle of los angeles uh before last night and uh i was certainly listening to it today after hearing some of the performances of Testify, Guerrilla Radio, uh, these songs sounded so fucking good. But you know what? I think I have to go with Bomb Track. I think I have to go with Bomb yeah. Track simply because it's probably my favorite song from the debut. Uh, and it was just such... I can't explain to you how elated I was when they came out and they did that song. It was just this burst of ecstasy that just came out all over my body when I just realized like I am listening to Rage and they are playing Bomb Track and it sounds exactly like it sounds on the record and it just it really propelled me it really propelled me into the show I think you leaned to me and you were like and they started you went here we go <laughs> I did I did I it's, did Bomb Track's a great choice it's the it's the if you had bought that record in the 90s, that would have been the first song you heard. So it was cool that they've been opening the shows with it. It's like this was like kind of the genesis of the band. It's probably their most straightforward song. It doesn't have like crazy guitar effects going on. I mean, near the end a little bit, but I guess it's, nothing, it's nothing that you wouldn't hear on like a Guns N' Roses record. Exactly. And like when I um, 
a big part of the show last night was kind of hearing them recreate this kind of mystery, this mysterious sound. Like Tom Morello's yeah. guitar sounds are like literally sound like an assault. I believe that on Battle of Los Angeles, the liner notes said something like, "All sounds from this album come from a guitar, bass, drum, and voice." Yes, it does. Because because people in that era were saying like. Are they using synths? Are they using like <laughs> synthesized sounds? Like, nope, it's just oh, a guitar. Which it's is just I mean, the guitar. That's so cool. And like that, f- seeing them able to recreate that live to a T so faithfully uh, was definitely a big part of it. That's why I love Testify. Uh, despite them starting with Revolver and you wanting to hear Revolver <laughs> and okay, going I into was, Testify. I was pissed. I was pissed <laughs> because I hear that <laughs> intro with that doo-doo. And I'm turning to you, and I'm like, because Revolver's one of my favorite songs off Evil Empire. And I'm looking at you, and I'm like, oh my god, here comes Revolver! Here comes Revolver! And then Testify starts, and I'm like... That opening what? sound that, that he plays that, that during Testify, I cannot figure out how he's doing that. Sorry, it's what is it you can't figure out? The, the opening sound that the guitar is making during Testify while the drums are building up, it sounds like a space shuttle taking off. Mm. And that, yeah, that really got my blood going. Light, the lights were amazing as well. They were great. They were great. Um, and, and listen, I, I, as disappointed as I was, and you also have to keep in mind, I had never heard Testify. <laughs> until that moment so it was a little bit like lunch bag let down but as the lunch performance started i was kind of like oh wait this song bops uh, so it it, it 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 uh it wasn't too much of a disappointment if you were to replace or insert one song that you needed to insert would it be revolver or down rodeo down rodeo 100 120 down rodeo you know they played it two nights ago I, in toronto at the first i know Did you take a look at it yeah it, it hurt my feelings i gotta be honest i, <laughs> I, was, I was a little it, as great as vietnam is vietnam is so great and i was happy to hear it and i also understand why evil empire is their least played album on this tour because it's probably their most depressing record and it's probably their most exhausted exhausted record it's very much this case of like wow we're really fucked aren't we that's that's the point of evil empire so i i get it but uh, uh yeah i would have if i could have thrown one more song in it would have at least been down right now me too yeah <laughs> that song rules i also really uh, wanted to hear roll right but you know you love evil empire wow yeah <laughs> i i love uh, and roll roll right is probably my second favorite song on the record they i would have loved to hear how i could just kill a man which is, that, is which is it's on Renegades. It's a Cypress Hill cover, and cool. it's jet that it slaps. Um, okay, last thing. So during Freedom, Rage have been projecting facts and statistics um, regarding things like abortion, immigration, uh, black incarceration during mm-hmm. all of their sets. At the Canadian show. It has been adjusted to be facts on indigenous peoples. Mm. Now, we don't normally get political on this show for first-time listeners. <laughs> Today has been a serious exception, <laughs> which has been like really hard to not do when you're talking about a band like this. Um, but we have a fair share of U.S. listeners, a lot of them from Ashburn. <laughs> uh, look at the statistics on that. Uh Jared, give us 30 seconds to a minute to raise awareness on the land back cause. So uh, I'm not going to talk about land back. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm go- uh, but I am, go- I am going to mention the statistics 
while, while you should read into land back cause, the land back cause, it's great. Uh, th- this is stuff that we should know about. I'm going to talk give about Give us land back. Come on, give us a little land back. Basically, land back is just about how the fact that, you know, the, Canada is a country that has been taken by settler con- colonialism. We do not, this is not our land. This belongs to the indigenous peoples of Canada. And they deserve sovereignty and they deserve control of their land. That, but that, that, that is not what I personally, that is not my expertise when it comes to this issue. Here is what sure. I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is uh, I like the statistics that they chose. They're great. Yes, uh, Indigenous people are predominantly incarcerated in this country. Yes, missing and murdered Indigenous women is a very serious problem. And Indigenous women are more likely to be murdered than anyone in this country. Uh, something that this did not uh, a statistic that they did not touch on, which is also very prominent. Uh, we as a country have a history of abducting indigenous children from their families. A lot of people think that this history is in the past. It's not. It happens to this day. It is still happening. It is in the Canadian foster system. 50% of the children in the Canadian foster system are indigenous. It, that is how disproportionate it is. Children are being taken from their homes by the government. Fa- indigenous families are targeted by the government and children are deemed unfit to live in these households. Never asking why these households are quote unquote unfit to raise children. Never asking what the government could do to help these families and to help these communities. It is always about taking away. It is never about giving. And these are issues that I think people really need to look into. Uh, I think people need to get involved. I think people, if you have money, give it to causes, but also research who you're giving money to, because a lot of some, a lot of organizations in this country are doing very, very great things. But some of these organizations, just because there is a name in the organization like indigenous or Aboriginal or native, it does not always mean that they are serving these communities. Some of these organizations are ran by white people and contribute to taking children away from families. So always look and research the organization that you're giving money to before you give money. And if you want to read any books on the matter, I would suggest, uh, I am not as well read as I should be, but uh, some that I have read, I've read uh, The Inconvenient Indian by Thomas King, gives you a very comprehensive view of uh, the history of indigenous issues in both Canada and the US. And uh, I have not read it personally, but I also hear 21st, 21 things about the Indian, that you didn't know about the Indian Act is a very good book. And uh, you know these problems affect America too, if you're listening in America. Uh, America mistreats their indigenous community as bad as any other country does. So, you know, this is stuff that people need to really take note of, in my opinion. Great work on that. I'm really glad you were here for this. Of course. Of course. <laughs> because it, we could only get so much about talking about the band itself. Like so much of a big, huge and, and part I of wasn't, it is ideology. I wasn't knocking land back, by the way. Like this is all stuff that people should look into. I just wanted to speak to something I was a little bit more educated in. Right. Um, last thing. We didn't talk about Run the Jewels, really. Oh, well, we should, because I enjoyed them almost as much as I enjoyed Rage. No, really? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, you have to keep in mind, Rage is a band that... Well, I got into Rage and Run the Jewels around the same time. I I was around the same age when I got into Rage and Run the Jewels between, you know, 15 to 17. That's when I got into both. Uh, RTJ2? RTJ2, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, amazing. Uh... 
but you know, as the years have gone on, I've you know, Run the Jewels have released more records. Uh, I've, I've kind of grown up listening to Run the Jewels, uh, and it was my first time seeing them. So of of, of course, of course, I was absolutely ecstatic, and I was a little bit scared because you know, opening acts have trouble connecting with the crowd. Even I mean, we've been seeing it recently with Mitski and Harry Styles. That's been causing all kinds of issues. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Run the Jewels brought it. And the crowd was into it. Like, the crowd was really into it. It was probably the best opening act performance I had ever seen. I cannot think of a better fit for an opening act for Rage. They, they basically are Rage. They've taken the torch, basically. And it's interesting because they didn't yeah. quite start that way. Like, Run the Jewels 2 is an amazing record. It's an amazing record. But it, it's not what I would consider a politically charged record. It's more like a comic book record. It's more yeah. like you're watching comic book villains it has more it has more aligned with mf doom than it does with raging as the machine it is more so with uh rtj3 and particularly rtj4 that this band uh this rap duo has become political and has kind of taken the rage against the machine torch it, it was kind of an interesting it was an interesting transition to see because it, it's not what i would have expected from their from their second record i would say Though one thing I should say, I, I obviously Killer Killer Mike has obviously always been a immensely political uh, artist, especially if you hear some of his solo work. Like I mean, his best record is probably uh, R.I.P. Music, uh, rap music, uh, and uh, you know he's talking about you know he's comparing Reagan to Obama and, and doing all kinds of shit on that record. So he's always been a political artist, but I I, I didn't see R.T.J. as a political group until I heard uh, songs like. Uh, a report for the shareholders on uh, RTJ3. Uh, Call Ticketron. Yep, there's another one. I feel like, you know, they were they came out right at 8, right in the scheduled time. There was, what, 40% of the arena filled? And within four songs, people were just rushing in. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. Absolutely. And they, went, they were going very – you could tell, like, those guys are veterans. They're not young. <laughs> They're, like, in their oh. 40s. They went hard. And – they probably would have done the same for a, uh, a room of 20 people. Absolutely. They opened for Lord. I would imagine that they did the exact same thing for the Lord crowd, even though the Lord fans are probably like, what kind of, what? <laughs> like, that almost feels like something like Lord specifically asked for. Asked for, Because yeah. I don't really see any like, you know, like corporate organization seeing, hey, you know what would get the Lord crowd going? Run the jewels. <laughs> um, uh, do, you, do, you have, do you have anything else to say about the show? Uh, no, I, 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 I'm just, I, I'm still, I am still processing the fact that I saw Rage Against the Machine last night. I, I, I have the footage on my phone, uh, and I've been looking at it all day. I've documented it. I just can't believe I'm the one who was documenting it. I can't yeah. believe that I have footage of Rage Against the Machine playing in 2022, and I couldn't be happier about it. That's how you know it's a big deal. Is when you is when you're like, oh. That's rage. <laughs> like, like you were you were standing in the same vicinity as them. They were and you were right there. Yeah. I could see them, and it was fucking wild. Unreal. Okay, Jared, thanks so much. That was great. Of course, man. Take it easy.